You're listening to Renegade Endurance Radio, episode number 39. Welcome to Renegade Endurance Radio, where we talk all things health, wellness, training, and nutrition. I'm your host, Martha Rosenstein of TheRenegadeNP.com. I'm a nurse practitioner, endurance athlete, and chronic fatigue survivor, and I help heal cranky athletes so they can get back to training, racing, and living their lives with endless energy. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to Renegade Endurance Radio. I'm your host, Martha Rosenstein. This episode is going to be a little different as I am just going to talk a little bit about my own experience with some training tweaks that I've made lately. Also, if you hear nature and airplane noises in the background, it's because not only has it been incredibly hot here and all of my windows are open, and when I say incredibly hot for Alaska, that means 80 degrees, but houses here are not meant to cool down. They're meant to hold heat in because it's supposed to be cold here. So it gets very hot inside when the sun comes out for days at a time. Um, Also, there's runway construction going on at the airport, so there's lots of planes flying over my house. So I apologize for any noise interference. Anyway, over the past six months or so, I have come across some, a couple of really badass endurance athletes who claim that they, quote unquote, don't really train, which really got me thinking about my own training and shifted the way that I structure it or don't structure it as the case may be. So some background on me is that I really struggle with consistency mostly because I don't tolerate most training schedules. This sounds both obvious and like I'm making it up at the same time, but I truly do better with a lot of rest and recovery and a not very rigorous training schedule. Once, not that long ago, true story, I asked my coach at the time if she thought that I could train for a race with nothing but rest days. She didn't think that was a good idea, so I didn't, but that's basically the gist of how I feel about training. I know this sounds ridiculous, but every time I have ever tried to stick to a training plan, I end up doing far fewer of the workouts than one might consider to be the minimum. So the idea of not really training was actually incredibly intriguing to me. Now, when I say not really training, I don't mean not doing anything and just sitting on the couch instead of training, though that is definitely what I meant when I asked if I could just train with rest days. I mean, not really having a structured workout plan that involves specific workouts on specific days. I mean, shifting to something where the intention is more to just move your body in some way, but doesn't always have a specific time, distance, or pace goal. The two athletes who I have come to idolize who take this approach are Rory Bossio, who is an incredibly talented and accomplished ultra runner, and Killian Jornet, who is an endurance athlete, and I think he holds the fastest known time for ascending Everest and until very recently, possibly also Denali here in Alaska. Um, But even more impressively related to Everest, I'm pretty sure that he did it twice in five days, and that's just a few of his impressive feats of endurance. So... Clearly, this not really training method is working for them. They say that they both just go out and do stuff rather than having some sort of formal training plan. Now, I'm sure that during competition seasons, they have something that maybe resembles some sort of periodization, but it sounds like from some of the articles that I've read about them that they 
really kind of just wing it more often than not. So after I had a really hard time motivating myself to do any sort of formal training for the triathlon that I did in Hawaii in March, I adopted this just go out and do stuff training plan. I did spend some time training for that triathlon on the bike trainer because there was still a lot of snow on the ground and the conditions were not always great for biking outside. I was also swimming once a week with a swim group, which was pretty consistent. Um, I do find that group workouts keep me consistent and accountable, so that is helpful. And I did some running, but not really that much. And I also did some hot hiking and some walking. So when we got to Hawaii, we did a little bit of biking before the race. Most notably was a 20-mile ride with almost 2,000 feet of climbing, and that was done less than a week before the race. We also did some short runs to just acclimatize ourselves to the heat. Another thing that was different for this race was my attitude, and this was a function of this sort of just go out and do stuff training schedule. I truly felt undertrained, so my attitude was very much just I will go do and go do the race and try to have some fun, which I usually have fun when I do these things, but I've never gone into it only with the intention of having fun. I said that to pretty much everybody that asked me anything about how the race was going to go, so I really drilled that into my own brain, which I think really helped. And it created a whole lot less pressure for me to feel like I wanted to perform well, because anybody who is an athlete probably knows that, oh, I'm just going to see how it goes or just have fun. But in reality, in that voice in the back of your head tells you that you want to accomplish some goal that you've set out that you don't really want to tell anybody about, because I've certainly done that many, many times. This also created an attitude of, I truly don't care how I do, which again, I have a really hard time doing because I'm pretty competitive with myself. So I went into this race with almost no expectations other than that I would likely finish barring any sort of major issues. I'm definitely not in it to win it anyway, but when I relaxed about feeling the need to compete with myself and didn't give into the hype that others were creating, because that's a big thing. That's, that's sort of, I can get really wrapped up, and I know other people feel this way too, just getting wrapped up in some of that competitive energy. So I was actually able to enjoy this race experience probably more than I've enjoyed any other race experience ever. And because I didn't do very much specific preparation for the race, I felt underprepared, which meant that my attitude had to be really casual about the whole thing. Now, this is the third time that I've done this race, so it's not scary to me. I know what to expect. I know the weather. I know the course. I just, I know how the day goes. So that also really helped. I don't know that I would have been this casual about the whole thing if I had never done something like this before. So what happened during the race? Well, I was faster overall, despite doing zero specific training for this event. My run was actually four minutes slower than both previous years. In the two other times that I've done this race, I've had almost the exact same runtime, which I think is pretty funny. And since I really didn't do much running at all before this, uh, four minutes slower was completely fine with me. And one thing that I did one positive that I did take away from this, even though I was slower, was that I actually walked a lot less than I had in previous years. So this course, it's on the big island of Hawaii. Um, it's hot. And there is a solid two-mile section that has pretty much no shade. And the other times that I've done this race, I've had to walk a significant portion of that section. And I think this year, I probably cut the amount of time that I walked in half or more. So I ran most of that really hot section, which again, some of that has to do with just some of the other things I've done since I've done this race and my ability to tolerate discomfort and know my limits. As far as the swim goes, I had my fastest time on this course, which is a little mind-blowing to me because 
I seriously started and went into this with just I'm out for a casual swim during this race. I the, the start of this race is crowded and I my age group is the biggest age group and it has so many beginners in it and it's a frustrating it's a frustrating start to a race. It's not super uh intense. It's just a lot of people and they don't always go in a straight line, which who does when they're swimming, but it's a lot of beginners who think that they are going to swim faster than they do, so they get up front. Anyway, it's chaotic, which most swim mass swim starts are, but I feel like this one is one of the worst, especially since my age group is so big. So, my plan was just to swim at a pace that was comfortable but not too easy. And I truly think that my swimming has has improved, which is why I was faster with what felt like less effort. But it wasn't until I hit the last buoy on the way in that I knew, so I knew that I was about 250 yards from the finish, that I actually looked at my watch and I realized how fast I was going. And then I kind of turned it on a little bit because I was really excited about the fact that I was just casually swimming and was blowing my previous time out of the water. Pardon the pun. So my bike time was also about 10 minutes faster um, from the previous year that I did it. So this is huge for me because I did not spend much time on the bike. And biking is my weakest part of triathlon right now. It used to be swimming. Now it's biking. And part of the reason that this was my bike was faster is because the conditions were 100% perfect. And Anybody who's ever ridden their bike on the Queen K on the Big Island of Hawaii, you know that wind is a huge issue and it can either make or break your race. And sometimes it's making your race and halfway through, it really starts to break things. Or the opposite is true. It feels like you're always riding into a headwind or always have a cross breeze. Anyway, there was zero breeze, which made it very hot, but... It made very fast conditions. So that was really great. Um, but it also makes it hard to compare my overall fitness compared to other years because the conditions in the other years that I've done this have not been perfect and they've actually been quite interesting with the wind. So I do think that I would have been faster overall no matter what, just based on where I was in the crowd of people on the bike. Um, but it's truly hard to compare actual race times because of the conditions. So my time this year was faster by about 10 minutes compared to last year. I 100% could have been faster on transitions, but in T1, I helped the girl next to me spray sunscreen on her back and she did the same for me. And that extra minute or two was definitely worth it for the karma points and so that I didn't get completely fried on the bike. So that was worth it. And the other huge difference about this year um, compared to years past, is that I actually felt amazing when I was done. And I think that this is not only a testament to my overall general level of fitness being higher, but I think it also has to do with how relaxed I was about the whole thing. It was not about being faster. It was about having fun and enjoying this experience. So I was definitely hot and tired once I was done. I mean, it was 80 degrees. It's why it's hot. But once I changed my clothes and ate, I felt really good. And I even had two people who are pretty good friends say to me, gosh, you look like you feel really good, which was really nice to hear because I did feel good. And I, it was just, it was a strange experience for me because usually I come out of a race just feeling pretty wiped out. Basically, that means that now I'm a huge fan of the non-training method of training for event. <laughs> this method of mine got put to the test again last weekend when I ran a marathon that I had really barely only trained for for about eight weeks. My longest run going into that was about 12 miles, um, but I did have a few 20 plus miles 
mile weekends of hiking and running on back-to-back days, which I actually think is a really great way to stay injury-free versus like running 20 miles at once, um, doing some big, huge weekends. And that's something that I actually learned from training for a 50K was we didn't do, we didn't try to go out and run. I mean, we ran for a long time. Um, I think we ran 18 or 20 miles was the longest, but we actually did those back to back. So we did a couple of back to back weekends of super longer, of longer runs. And I really think that that makes a difference in staying injury free. So just building that overall volume rather than focusing on individual run volume or individual week volume. So what I've really taken away and learned from this experience is that while some people thrive on a regimented training plan, it's definitely not for everyone. And I've actually heard from several people, one of whom is a former Olympic um, cross-country skier, that they felt like they were in better shape when they just go out and do things versus actually training. So the marathon went okay. Um, It was really hot and we've been having, we have a um, pretty big forest fire, not that far from here. So the air quality was, it's much worse now, but the air quality was not great. But I think the biggest struggle for me on that marathon was heat. It started out at probably about, I think it was close to 65 degrees and probably hit maybe just over 70, um, which doesn't sound hot to some people, but for this Alaska girl, it's definitely hot and being out there for that long is hard. So I actually think that had it been a little bit cooler, things would have gone better. It, it I was faster than the last time I did this course. This course is really challenging. There's some trail, um, some trails involved, which is why I like it. And there's probably overall about a thousand feet of elevation gain, which apparently is a lot for a marathon. And so a couple of the ladies behind me when I was, um, pretty close to the finish line were just like, gosh, clearly they were not from Alaska um, and they had come into town for the race. And they were like, gosh, this race is really hard. This is one of the hardest marathons we've done. So that, you know, just really justifies me um, in the way that I was feeling. Um, But it was very warm. And several of my friends who did either the marathon or I have a couple of friends, they do a marathon relay. Um, And I had a couple of friends do the marathon relay. And they also said, gosh, it was really hot and we only ran eight miles. So I would say that my non-training training method worked pretty well for this. Um, there are still a few things that I would do differently, um, but I don't, I'm not going to analyze that for you because that's that's probably boring. Um, if, it's, if it's not boring and you want to know, go ahead and shoot me an email and let me know and I will be happy to tell you all the things that I learned and what I would do differently. So my goal has never been to win anything or even really go faster, though it is nice when that does happen. But what I really want is the ability to go out and do fun stuff with my friends when they ask. So if I can be ready to run a marathon in eight weeks or do some insane trail race in 12 weeks or whatever, when someone's like, hey, do you want to do this? I want to be able to do that without really having to like struggle to prepare for it. So I basically the goal is to maintain a pretty solid level of base fitness. And while that's just me, I do think that everybody else can learn something from this experience too. I think that the go out and do stuff training plan makes a lot of sense for, it makes a lot of these events um, more accessible to more people. So not everyone has time to train for 10 or even 20 hours a week, but what you can do is do shorter training sessions during the week and then do a huge chunk of training on the weekend and you can gain a shocking amount of fitness from that. Now, I don't love the weekend warrior um, method generally either, which 
it's, it's kind of a fine balance here because I think that actually causes some serious health issues. So once you reach a certain level of fitness, I think it's okay for you to do that, but don't get off the couch and go have a 20 mile weekend where you run and then bike and then hike. That's a lot if you've never done that before. So you have to work up to that still, but I do think that it makes it more accessible because you're not looking at training for 20 hours a week. So you also do need to do some specific training for the event you're doing. Um, one of the issues that I had with the marathon, I did the same marathon last year, um, was that I had really horrible hip pain early on in the race. And that was from running on the pavement and because I'd been doing mostly trail running. So this year I did spend a lot more time um, running on pavement in order to get my body used to that. I also think that this approach makes training more fun. Instead of feeling like you have to go for a 20 mile run, you can do what I did one weekend, go for a five mile hike one day and then go for a 10 mile run the next day and then go for another five mile hike the day after. So I did this over three days, two weekends in a row and I felt I was really tired, but I felt that I really got actually more of a benefit from that than I would have from just going out and running 20 miles. If you're looking to be an, a, an elite athlete, this is probably not the best approach Although it seems to be working for a handful of elite athletes, which I think is great. Um, it's hard to say whether they are enigmas or whether it truly is something that works for them. I do think this is pretty individualized, um, what works for you versus what doesn't work for you. But I do think that it decreases the stress surrounding training, which actually probably gives you more benefit than if you were to feel really stressed out about sticking to a more regimented training plan. Really, the whole point of me sharing this is that we all need to cut ourselves some slack as athletes, and I realize that this is just an N equals one experiment, but if the not training method of training works for athletes like Rory Bazio and Killian Jornet, then why shouldn't it work for the rest of us? That's all for this episode. You can find show notes for this episode at therenegadenp.com slash 39. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Martha Rosenstein, and we'll see you next time.